What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Gadget Reason Radio. As always, my name is Sean. I'm your host. And happy Friday, everybody. Today is officially the uh, first day where most of the products that were unveiled at Apple's big event are available for pre-order. So hopefully all of you guys were able to get in a uh, pre-order for the device that you are hoping for. It seems as though most uh, most of the iPhone 8s are still readily available and scheduled to deliver on time, which would be the 22nd. Uh, however, the Apple Watch is another story, so I'll be covering uh, those topics and a few other things in today's show. So let's go ahead and get started with today's tech download for Friday, September 15th, 2017. As promised, today was the first day you could officially order many of the products that Apple unveiled at the big Apple event earlier this week, and shipping times are already starting to fall pretty quickly. So. If you were hoping to get any of these devices on actual launch day, which is Friday, September 22nd, your window is closing pretty fast and pretty soon here you might have to just plan on waiting in line at the store and hoping to grab one of the in-stock units on launch day. But as of right now, you can still get the standard sized iPhone in 64 or 256 gigabytes delivered somewhere between September 25th and October 2nd, but I expect that date to quickly fall to that three to four week window any, any minute now basically. Um, as far as the larger version, the iPhone 8 Plus, you're looking at September 29th to October 6th for the 64 gigabyte, which is obviously selling at slightly faster rates than the 256, which is still currently available to be delivered on September 22nd. Now, in something that might be a little bit surprising to a lot of people that still aren't convinced that the Apple Watch is a full-fledged product that's here to stay, the Apple Watch Series 3 with GPS and cellular LTE capabilities has already fallen to three to four weeks shipping time. And unfortunately, I fell into this category as well. Late last night at about 2 a.m., I logged on to Verizon to buy two Apple Watches with LTE connectivity, one for me and one for my wife. And my wife was asleep at the time and she hadn't really decided yet if she really wanted to upgrade from her Series 2 Apple Watch and I still am using the first generation Apple Watch, so I knew I wanted to upgrade. So I ended up just saying, to hell with it, I'll wait until the morning. What are the odds these are really gonna sell out that quickly? And of course, uh, this morning we logged on and went to finish our orders, and I ended up having to do it through Apple's site directly because through Verizon, they were actually already showing as being sold out. Um, on Apple's site, they were already showing three to four weeks shipping and delivery time. So um, obviously the Apple Watch with LTE is proving to be a little bit more popular than I think many had anticipated. I would love to hear from any of you guys out there that tried to go on and pre-order any of these devices last night or even today. I'd just like to know what maybe your experiences are and did you have to make any sacrifices or are you disappointed or happy with how the uh, pre-order launch went? Give me a call in or a comment and let me know. So now that the pre-order process for the latest round of iPhones is in full swing, I thought I'd kind of give you guys my opinions on why I skipped the iPhone 8 and instead the only product that I pre-ordered last night or actually today was the uh, Apple Watch Series 3 with LTE. And the reason that I skipped the iPhone 8 and decided to hold out for the iPhone 10 is just simply for the fact that I didn't feel like the iPhone 8 was enough of an upgrade. Now, don't get me wrong, there's definitely plenty to like about both of the new iPhone 8 models. The, uh, the glass back that allows for the wireless charging is fantastic. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to having a couple charging mats uh, placed around my house and just being able to drop my phone down to charge it. 
Um, I think that's super convenient. Um, I'm definitely, you know, looking forward to a lot of the the increased power and stuff that we're going to get from the, you know, the latest A11 chip. I think there's a lot to like about the new iPhones. But um, for me, the biggest things that I've been holding out for in terms of, you know, a new phone or a new iPhone specifically are the ability to have a higher resolution OLED display and also um, any kind of anytime I can get an improved camera sensor or, in, or any type of improvement on the camera modules in general, I'm definitely down for that. I use my phone for a lot of video and photography. And so, you know, I'm always uh, interested in the best that I can get in terms of the camera setup. So um, for me, this, the iPhone 8 just didn't offer enough that would make me want to justify upgrading. And since I pretty much just leased my phone at this point, like I talked about the other day, um, you know, it really doesn't matter. I'm, not, I'm never really going to pay off one of these phones all the way through. So yes, the iPhone 10 is extremely expensive, especially because I'm probably going to have to get the 256 gigabyte version because uh, I just, I, there's no way, I, I tried to look at it today and, and guesstimate if there was a way that I could cut down on a lot of my usage and really, um, it just comes down to photos, videos, um, and, uh, and, and the core apps that I really can't live without. There's just no way I could make room. Um, and then you add to that anything from Spotify that gets saved for offline listening or any other music that I have on my phone. It's just not, it's just not doable for me to have a 64 gigabyte phone at this point in time. So I'm going to have to get the 256 gigabyte version. And yeah, it's really expensive at, you know, 1149 plus tax is not cheap, but the way I look at it is I'm really never going to pay for all of that $1,100, $1,200 anyway. Um, you know, I'm going to have it for a year and then I'll be upgrading to the iPhone 11 or 10s or whatever the hell they're going to call the next one next year. So, um, when you look at it that way, I mean, the difference between an iPhone eight and the iPhone 10 in terms of monthly payments that are going to get added to my Verizon bill is pretty insignificant in the grand scheme of things. So I'd rather have the phone that I really want. Um, and then I'm really going to be able to, to fully enjoy and take advantage of all of these, uh, new, new, features, new functions. I'm really, really looking forward to a lot of the augmented reality stuff. So there's just too much I'd be missing out on if I skipped the iPhone 10 and got the iPhone 8. And I'm certainly not going to upgrade twice in, you know, the matter of, in a matter of, you know, two months or three months or whatever. So, so that's why I skipped the, the iPhone 8 and I'm just going to go ahead and do this whole process all over again on, uh, you know, October, whatever it is, October 17th, I think for the, uh, for the iPhone 10. Now, the reason why I did go ahead and pre-order the uh, the Apple Watch Series 3 is because I didn't upgrade over the last few years when they continued to sort of make little minor incremental updates to the Apple Watch. And I'm still using my Series 1 original and uh, I've been holding out for this exact uh, this exact feature, being able to have a an Apple Watch that can be fully functional in every way when I'm away from my phone. And the idea of being able to leave my house for a run or a workout or you know a few minutes here and there to just take my phone, my uh, my Apple Watch with me, leave my phone at home, and go full on uh, rogue with just the watch and have full calling, texting. And, and other capabilities, it's, that's exactly what I've been waiting for. And one of the key things that I'm really interested to test out is if all of my home automation apps, like my August smart lock for my front door and all of my lighting and all that can all be controlled from my Apple Watch without my phone being present. Because if that's the case, um, that's gonna be huge. You know, I could run across the street to my gym, uh, coach a couple classes, work out, uh, leave my phone at home, come back and hit the unlock button on my Apple Watch to open my front door. So um, these are some of the things I'm looking forward to testing out with the Apple Watch and I'll definitely keep you guys apprised as to how that all goes once I get it in the next couple of weeks. 
As if there wasn't enough excitement going on last night between the hours of midnight and 3 a.m. with all of the uh, Apple pre-orders going on, um, it was also the official launch of the very first version of an NBA 2K game on the Nintendo Switch. So at midnight last night, NBA 2K18 became available in the Nintendo eShop for the Nintendo Switch, and of course I immediately downloaded it. Now for the digital download version in the eShop, you're getting it a few days early. The official boxed release or retail release of the game isn't until September 19th. I'm a huge NBA fan and a huge gaming fan, and I've been dying to have a full-blown version of an NBA 2K game on the go for quite a while, so I could not wait that extra four days, and I went ahead and went all digital on this one. And just to give you guys a heads up, it is pretty big. Um, so the rumors were pretty much spot on. The full game with uh, everything downloaded is about 26 gigabytes of storage on my 128 gigabyte SD card. Um, and that's not counting the, uh, the extra bonus uh, data. The game does come with a code to be able to download some kind of a bonus content. And I haven't done that yet. So I'll let you guys know how big the entire game is with all the extra content downloaded. But right out of the box, it's uh, 26 gigabytes. You know, the thing is, is that it was worth it and I just don't care. This is the best version of an NBA 2K game that's ever been on a portable console, period. Um, I haven't played it in console mode connected to my uh, you know, 70 inch TV just yet, but I can tell you that in portable mode, it absolutely looks and feels like you're playing you know, a, a PS4 or an Xbox One NBA 2K title. Now, I, I understand that that statement is going to be met with a little bit of controversy because we all know that this game does not look anywhere near as good as the version that's on the PS4 Pro or the Xbox One S, obviously. But on that small screen size, that 720p display, um, it definitely does feel like you're playing a full-blown console version, fully feature-rich version of NBA 2K18. Yeah, the sound, the voiceovers, all of the commentary is is natural, smooth, uh, no glitches, no, no judders, no stutters, no nothing. It is an, an incredible game. The animations look fantastic. The player uh, likenesses all look really good. If anything, I could really nitpick. I would say that you can tell they definitely downscaled some of the uh, the geometry for things like the uh, cheerleaders or or you know sideline reporters or any of the coaches on the benches. They definitely seem to have been downgraded or simplified just a little bit. Um, but that, I think they did that just so they could keep as much detail on the players and the court as possible and keep everything still running at a good frame rate. It it runs fantastic. It's unbelievable. I never thought that I'd be playing a fully fleshed out version of. Of any kind of sporting title on a portable console. I mean, this blows away anything that I've ever played on the Vita or the PSP back in the day. Um, it's, it's just nothing like it. You, the experience just can't be compared to, to anything else. So I really got to hand it to the guys over at 2K Games because they're really proving that, um, that the Switch is capable of handling um, a, a full-on console port um, in all the right ways and, and, and bringing, to, bringing to the game everything that needed to be here to make the experience uh, as good as what people would come to expect and, and, and want. So I uh, haven't really dug in yet too much. I've only played for maybe an hour. I uh, haven't really got into any of the, the season stuff or, or any of the story mode. And I definitely haven't got into any online play just yet, but so far so good. So great job to 2K Games. And I can't wait to see more ports like this coming to the Switch in the future. Any of you gaming nerds out there download NBA 2K18 on the Switch? If you did, I'd love to know what you guys think of the port and the gameplay experience so far. So give me a call in or a comment and let me know.
Retro peripheral maker 8BitDo has announced a release date for the SN30 Pro controller, and it's coming out December 10th of this year. The SN30 Pro is sort of a follow-up to the NES30 Pro that's already available, which I've done a review on previously, and uh, it's basically a Bluetooth wireless controller that's kind of uh, designed to look like a retro NES or SNES game controller, but they add on things like analog sticks and right and left shoulder buttons, um, and they try to make it a fully featured modern game controller. But uh, the NES 30 Pro that I currently am using is amazing. It's really, really small, so it's still easily portable, so I can take it with me places with my Switch if I want to use some other control scheme other than just holding the Switch or having to carry around something as big and bulky as like the Pro Controller. Uh, but the nice thing about the 8-BitDo accessories is that they're fully compatible with just about every device on the planet. You can use them with a Mac, a PC, you can use them with... Uh, you know, um, Android devices, they're basically compatible with just about anything um, other than a PS4 or an Xbox One, but um, you can use them with so many different things that they really carry a ton of value with them. And at 50 bucks, um, this thing is gonna be awesome to use with um, with your Nintendo Switch if you have one, or if you're just someone who does a lot of uh, retro gaming on your Android device, um, you can use it with that as well. So um, definitely check them out. It's uh, You can get them through Amazon, just do a search for 8BitDo or SN30 Pro. They're available for pre-order now. The world of tech news can be pretty exhausting at the breakneck pace with which new devices and new technologies are constantly being thrown at us, and rumors are already circulating about what the OnePlus 6 might actually be all about. Now, what's really crazy is that the OnePlus 5, which is a pretty well-stacked device, is only been on, has only been on the market for about three months now or four months now and you know the, the unfortunate thing for oneplus is that they really put themselves into a tough position the previous oneplus models were all touted as flagship killers and were at these incredible prices and with the oneplus 5 the price increased more so than did all the specs and this caused a little bit of an uproar with tech reviewers and people that were giving their opinions about exactly what kind of value proposition the oneplus 5 represented um, for me personally i still think the oneplus 5 is an incredible device and you can't can't get anything even close to it in terms of specs or the display quality and just the overall design and build quality for anywhere near that price. At the end of the day, the OnePlus 5 has a Qualcomm Snapdragon 835, which is pretty much on par with almost all the other flagship devices that are you know, on the market right now and that have continued to come out so far this year. So um, in terms of that and the amount of RAM that it has and the OLED panel, I think the real big complaint that people had was the fact that it was still sticking with a 1080p display, which is another thing that I still don't see as a big problem. Um, you know, a phone that has that small of a screen that I'm gonna hold that far away from my face on a regular basis, uh, 1080p still looks fantastic. I mean, I'm doing a comparison right now with my you know, iPhone 7 Plus, which is also 1080p, side by side with the Essential phone, which is a 2K screen, and uh, honestly, it's really difficult to tell the difference, even with a side-by-side -side comparison. So unfortunately, the OnePlus 5 took a little bit of a beating, and maybe that's pushing uh, OnePlus and the team over there to already start thinking about their next flagship killer phone that they're trying to release. But uh, there are rumors coming out that the OnePlus 6 is already in development. The biggest rumor about the OnePlus 6 is, of course, that it will finally make the jump to a 2K AMOLED display. This, of course, would be a bump up from the 1080p displays they've been using for the past few years, and I just don't know how much of 
of an impact that's really gonna make in terms of what kind of review score you'd give for a phone like this. So there really aren't a whole lot of other rumors about the OnePlus 6 yet. Um, I'm still not even sure if any of them are true. It might just be uh, somebody's hopes, dreams, and maybe their wish list getting leaked out. Uh, I think that it, it's pretty early. For, for any details about a phone or a follow-up phone to the OnePlus 5 to be leaking just four months into its life cycle seems pretty unrealistic. But um, let me know what you guys think based on either my review or any other reviews you've heard of the OnePlus 5 um, or your own experiences. Do you think that the OnePlus 5 was a failure and that OnePlus really needs to follow it up with a OnePlus 6 sooner rather than later? Give me a call in or leave me a comment and let me know. You know, sometimes even the best tech companies that we just love to love or love to hate can't seem to avoid making questionable decisions or get out of their own way. And it seems like Apple has done that once again when it comes to one of the key features of the new iPhones. Earlier this week when the new iPhones were announced, one of the key features along with wireless charging was the ability to have fast charging, where Apple said that a iPhone could charge up to 50% in about 30 minutes. The problem with this is that oftentimes Apple's features come with certain caveats. And in this case, it seems as though the way to unlock the fast charging feature is to have a USB-C to lightning cable and a compatible power brick. And of course, Apple does not include the higher wattage power brick that enables fast charging in the box with any of the new iPhones. The standard USB-A to lightning cable and five watt power brick that comes with the new iPhones is not going to be enough to enable the fast charging feature. In order to make fast charging happen, you're gonna to have to get the USB to lightning cable as well as a higher power power brick to unlock the fast charging capabilities. Apple already sells a USB-C to lightning cable for $25 and you can get a 29 watt power brick for $49.99. That adds an extra $75 to the cost of the already expensive iPhones if you wanna unlock the fast charging capabilities. Now, of course, that $75 estimate is assuming that the 29 watt power brick that Apple currently sells on their site is enough to bump up the power high enough to enable the fast charging feature of the new iPhones. Now, we still don't know because Apple hasn't really released any specs or any good information about what it's gonna take to enable fast charging. So we can only hope that it's not going to be a proprietary or even more expensive power brick option and that it won't cost any more than $75. Of course, there's still the slight glimmer of hope that Apple will release some type of fast charging bundle kit that is maybe a little bit cheaper than that $75, like maybe $49.99 or something like that. But uh, until the phones are you know, in people's hands and Apple has all the accessories available in the stores, we just won't know. But either way, this is really frustrating. You know, as an Apple fan, as somebody who appreciates all the things that they do for pushing technology forward, these little steps that they make that seem to make things uh, that seem to just frustrate the hell out of a lot of people, you can see why certain people love to hate Apple. Um, something like this is just so easy to fix. And with the ridiculous volumes that Apple is selling iPhones, they could definitely make back any money they lost by shrinking their margins just a little bit in order to include all of the uh, proper cables and power bricks that are needed to really have this phone fast charging right out of the box. So um, I think it's really stupid on their part. And maybe with enough backlash, they'll change their mind and pull a U-turn. I don't know, stranger things have happened. So uh, what do you guys think about Apple not including everything needed for fast charging on the new iPhones? Give me a call in or leave me a comment and let me know.
So I couldn't end today's show without talking about this Equifax disaster. Um, if you guys are not aware at this point, Equifax had some major leaks where m millions of people's information was leaked all over the web. And basically, most analysts are saying now that you can pretty much just guarantee that your information is probably included in that. There's just so many people involved in this leak and that are gonna be affected. And Equifax has continued to botch everything about this entire disaster from top to bottom, even all the way up and through, um, you know, not initially allowing people to do things to resolve this issue on their end for free. Um, but they've now since rectified that and they have the Equifax uh, scan, dark scan feature enabled for free right now for, for the foreseeable future, I guess. So CNN is reporting today that the uh, chief information officer and chief security officer at Equifax are out. And uh, this, this should come as no surprise. I would have thought it would have actually come sooner. Uh, but uh, Equifax announced that they are making some personnel changes effective immediately. Yeah, no duh. I mean, uh, the, if you guys didn't hear this news yesterday, this is mind boggling. But um, it turns out that at least part of the reason for this security breach is that Equifax had some servers that actually had still had the default passwords set to access them as admin. Now, I don't know how how techy or how uh, server knowledgeable you guys are, but anybody who's ever set up a router, even in their own home, knows that the first thing that you need to do is go in and change that default password uh, from admin to whatever, something that is obviously a little bit more secure than that. So the fact that one of the largest uh, you know, financial companies, one of the largest companies in the world that has such an incredibly powerful impact on all of us as consumers, as citizens of this country, um, the fact that they left such a simple security hole wide open for hackers is absolutely appalling and unforgivable. And uh, you know, I, I think being fired is not is not enough. And and you know, I was talking about this with uh, some people the other day. How is it that you know a company that has this much control over impacting the lives of and, and really not just the lives but the livelihoods of so many people, uh, so many Americans? How can this company be allowed to be this negligent without any true repercussions or true punishment? Um, you know, firing a couple of super high paid executives who were probably making millions of dollars a year and could care less at this point if they lose their job, it's not going to impact their lives. It doesn't seem like enough to me. So what do you guys think about that? Is something as ridiculous as leaving a default password wide open for hackers, is that negligible enough to be criminal? Give me a call in or leave me a comment and let me know. I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts. And that's going to do it for another tech download. I hope you guys enjoyed the content. And thanks again to everybody that continues to tune in and favorite the station, as well as all the podcast listeners out there that continue to subscribe and tune into the show every single week. For those of you that haven't already, go ahead and follow me on all social media platforms at Gadget Reason. I post lots of fun and interesting tech news and tips on there as well. So be sure to check that out. I may jump on with a few short segments over the weekend, but even if I don't, you can bet I'll be back here on Monday and every weekday, bringing you guys the best in daily tech news and conversations. So until then, I will talk to you guys later. Have a great weekend.